Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. Good morning. Great to see you here this morning. I'm excited to be able to share something from God's Word that I know is going to be relevant to us today. How many of you like Christmas? How many of you love Christmas? Good, okay, I'm talking to the right folks. I want to share with you something this morning that, that God laid on my heart. It's pretty cool. You know, Monday morning I started praying, God, what is it that you would want me to say? What is, it, what is the Scripture? What is it that you want me to talk about? And as, the longer I began to look at that and the more I began to study, the more I realized how relevant God's Word is to us today. And I know you're thinking, well, duh. But I hope this morning, by the time we're finished, that you really see that God's Word is not just something from years ago, but it is so relevant to us today that it should be, it should be one of those things that really wakes us up. So I hope this morning when you leave that you realize how special you are and how much God wants to touch your life and how much God wants to do something with you and through you. So whether you're sitting here in person or you're watching online this morning, I pray that what we talk about will make a difference. In fact, that's what I want to do right now. I want you to pray with me. Father, as we come before you this morning, Father, I just ask that you speak to our hearts. God, show us what you want us to see from your word. Show us, God, how to apply it to our lives. And God, show us how to be different different to the point to where people want to know what we have. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to two different scriptures, Matthew chapter 1. And as you get that, we're going to start in verse 18. Then I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to read Matthew 1, 18 through 2, 6. And then we're going to read Luke chapter 2. Both of these are what we're familiar with is the Christmas stories, but I want us to see how the Christmas story relates to us today. I know what you're thinking. It's absolutely impossible, Gary, for you to be talking about what happened 2,000 plus years ago with Christmas and what's going on today. How many of you have heard or have said yourself in the past few months, this is a year unlike any other? Raise your hand, and you don't raise your hand, you're lying. Okay, everybody has said it. I hear it all the time. Man, this is different than ever before. Guys, I want to show you something. That's wrong. I want to show you how Christmas, the very first Christmas, the real Christmas story, is so much like today that I hope it shakes you up this morning. I want you to look in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in chapter 1, verse 18. And then I'm going to skip over to Luke 2. So hang with me. It's going to be on the screen too. So if you're reading it in person, fine. If you can see it on the screen, that's great too. Verse 18, chapter 1 of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, translates, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Now I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Now in those day, days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken in all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room from them for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people." For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from the from them into heaven, the, the shepherds begin saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16 says, so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as it had been told to them. I read both of those scriptures because we know those as the Christmas story. But I want to share with you the real Christmas story. And I want you to take a walk with me this morning through the very first Christmas. And I want us to look at the people who we just read about. And I want us to think about what they were going through. Because you see, folks, the fact is that for over 400 years, God had been silent. They hadn't heard anything from God. There was so much confusion and turmoil. People didn't know what to think. God was silent. Where was God? 
He had not said a thing. And then all of a sudden, on the scene, this begins to happen. And if you think people weren't in that day thinking the very same thing that we're thinking today, wow, this has never happened. What is going on? And I want to show you how that relates to us today. I want to take these characters as we walk through. I want us to understand that there are certain principles that applied then and they apply to us today. I want you to look at the first thing that happened. I want you to recognize that when, when the angels appeared and all this stuff started taking place, there was a challenge that faced every one of these people. There was a challenge. They were searching for the truth. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand what was happening, but it was going to be presented to them. All of these people were all of a sudden faced with the fact that there is this Jesus. There is this Jesus. Who is he? I want you to think about Joseph. Now, we act like when we read the Christmas story that a bunch of people were sitting around the campfire, singing songs, singing Christmas carols, and, and Joseph got the news, hey, guess what? The girl you're going to marry is pregnant. And Joseph started singing Christmas carols, right? Isn't that what it says? Folks, think about it. You're talking about a challenge. What was Joseph thinking? He felt betrayed. He was scared. The Bible tells us that Joseph was trying to figure out how to, with class, divorce and get rid of Mary, move her out of the way, not to shame her, but he didn't want to have any part of that. He was betrayed. But the Bible makes it clear that Joseph was a quiet man. He didn't, he didn't want a scene. But can you imagine how he felt? Can you imagine how that felt? The person that you love the most has betrayed you and lied to you. At least that's what he thought. Joseph was a righteous man, the Bible tells us. But can you imagine what he was thinking? And then he has a dream. <laughs> how does he know that's real? Is that something that he just, just thought about? Is it something that, that concerned him? How did he know? And how is he going to explain that? And here's the big question. What about her dad? As a father of a daughter, can you imagine? Here's the husband-to-be. By the way, the daughter's pregnant. How's he going to explain that? You think Joseph wasn't scared, huh? Joseph faced a challenge. What was he going to do with this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? But not only Joseph, we have Mary. Now, I know, listen, everything was easy for Mary. I mean, she was a teenager, okay? She's a teenager, and all of a sudden, she's pregnant. So she's going to run, tell her friends, hey, guess what? I'm having a baby, not even married yet. And she's going to run and tell her family, and they're just going to hug her, and they're going to sing Christmas carols too, right? Can you imagine how she must have felt? Because if you look over in Luke chapter 1, we didn't read that. That's where the angel appear, appears to Mary and tells her what she's going to face. Can you imagine what she thought? How are they going to believe me? Oh, I'm going to tell them an angel appeared? Really? I can imagine that conversation. God, wait a minute. And she even asked that if you look at that scripture. Mary questioned. She wasn't sure. How is she going to prove that that angel was real? How is Mary going to prove that really what is going on is the truth? I mean, be serious. You know what else Mary was thinking? <laughs> My dad's going to kill Joseph. Think about it. 
Hey, Dad, guess what? I'm pregnant. We're not married yet, but everything's going to be okay. Do you see the challenge there? Mary, you're going to have a baby. This Jesus. Who is this Jesus? See, that was a challenge that Mary faced. But there was also another character here that we look at, and his name is Herod. Now, Herod was the king. And, and as I read, the, these, these wise men, these magi, as they're called here in Scripture, they showed up and they asked the king, hey, where is this king that we're looking for? Now, you see, Herod was a pretender, and I'll get to that a little bit later, but Herod wasn't even supposed to be the king. Can you imagine how he felt? Wait a minute, I'm the king. Who is this Jesus? Who are these men showing up? Who is this Jesus? wonder what Herod was thinking. I'm in control, and yet people are looking for somebody else who's going to be bigger than me. And then we have the wise men, the magi, who came from the east. All we really know is that somehow they were studying the stars. Somehow they knew. But if you look at this scripture, folks, we see that that they came to Jerusalem looking for a king. Do you notice it says they were looking for the king of the Jews? We don't know exactly how that happened, but speculation is, is long before when the Israelites were, were captive in Babylon, they were always looking for the Messiah. And these men learned possibly through those traditions and through those teachings that there was one day going to be a Messiah born. And where did they go? They went to Jerusalem, the place where a king should be, right? So their challenge was as they, as, they, as they started to look, there's something different. They knew that there was, there was this king that they were looking for, but they didn't understand what it was about. But they were looking where there was supposed to be a king. I wonder if they were surprised that no one else was looking. Then you have the religious leaders. After the wise men came to Herod, and they ask about this king, what does Herod do? He calls all the religious leaders together. Now, this is what scares me today. I want you to look at that. If you look in chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 4, Herod brought the scribes and the, and the teachers together, the religious leaders, and said, tell me, where is this king supposed to be born? And in verses 5 and 6, the religious leaders know exactly where. They know exactly what's supposed to happen. The religious leaders knew there was supposed to be a Messiah, and they knew he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They knew the facts. that sound familiar? A lot of people know the facts today about this Jesus. They knew more than anyone. What were they going to do with this Jesus? And then you have the shepherds. You have the shepherds out in the field. Listen, shepherds was about as low on the totem pole as you could get, okay? Nobody liked being around them. That was the worst job you could have. Plus, you stunk all the time because you smell like sheep, okay? So the angels appear to these shepherds. Who in the world? It says they were afraid. If I'm out in the field tending sheep and an angel appears to me, I'm probably going to be afraid too. They weren't expecting that. What in the world was happening? They, they, why us? No one's going to pay attention to us. What is going on? The shepherds were afraid. The angels told them what to expect. 
But every one of these characters, every one of these people that I've just named had to make a decision. What am I going to do with this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? See, that was the challenge. Who is this Jesus? This thing didn't make sense. This Christmas story, all this, people today are wondering the same things. Regardless of which character you pick out, people are wondering the same things. People are going through the same challenge. When you come face to face with Jesus, it's going to challenge you. Who is this Jesus? You see, God made it clear who he was. And that brings us to the next thing. Not only the challenge that Christmas brings, but the conflict now that we know this Jesus is here, what am I going to do with him? What am I going to do about it? What will I do now that Jesus is here? You see, every time we face the challenge, there's also a conflict that comes with it. And I want us to look at those characters again and understand what it says here as you look at all these different scripture. You see, some of them were afraid, some of them were confused, but here's the deal. Every time, every time we are faced with the challenge that Jesus is here, we have to make a decision. What will I do with this Jesus? What am I going to do with him? Well, here's Joseph. Now, if he goes and does what the angel tells him, he's going to end up going to Bethlehem with a pregnant lady to pay taxes, and he's going to end up running for his life. You want to talk about conflict? Oh, he faced it. What are people going to say? Finding out that she's pregnant and they know we're not even married yet. Am I going to follow through with this? Because you see, guys, if Joseph had said, hey, look, I don't have any part in this. This isn't my problem. You know what, you know what the result is? Anybody here know what the result is? They could stone her. Mary could have been stoned. She could have been killed. They didn't have to believe it, but Joseph had a conflict. What am I going to do? Look at all of these things that I'm going to have to do. What am I going to do with this Jesus? Joseph had to face the conflict. But you think Joseph had it tough. <laughs> How about Mary? <laughs> Mary was the one carrying the baby. I don't know how many of you ladies in here have thought about riding a donkey for about 90 miles, about nine months pregnant. That doesn't sound too comfortable to me. Never had one, but I'm just saying it doesn't sound like it's too much fun. Can you imagine what Mary must have felt like? I'm going to have to go to Bethlehem, have a baby in a barn. Then we're going to have to run to Egypt for our lives. What about this baby? What am I going to do? How am I going to take care of this baby? I've got to leave what I know. I've got to trust this man that I'm not even sure he trusts me. Does he really even believe that this is real? Mary had a conflict. The physical struggle. The mental struggle. What must she have felt that day? What must she have felt during that time? She was going through conflict. See, the challenge brings conflict. Oh, and we have Herod. Let's don't forget about old Herod. Herod faced a situation where his throne was going to be taken away. See, the fact is, Herod did not belong there anyway. Herod had stolen the throne. 
okay? He had stolen the throne. He didn't belong there. The Jews hated him. The Jews hated Herod. And if you go through and you read the Scripture, you'll see that he didn't trust anyone because they knew who he really was. So he had a conflict. What am I going to do with this Jesus? Now that I know what's going on, what am I going to do with him? Am I going to allow him to take my throne? See, he was going through a conflict too. Then we have the wise men. The wise men saw this star, and they had a choice to make to leave the comfort of where they lived and go look for something that they didn't even understand. And when they get there, they were told to do some specific things. And if, if you look in chapter 2, verses 7 and following, you'll see that Herod called them and said, Hey, when you find this Jesus, let me know where he is so we can go worship him too. And they had to make a decision. This isn't necessarily what they thought. They, they were going to end up having to go against what they were told. Were they going to listen to what God had said? Were they going to listen to what the king said? See, the wise men faced conflict too. What were they going to do with this Jesus when they found him? And then we have the religious leaders. The religious leaders stood before the king, folks, and they knew exactly where he was going to be born. They heard all the brouhaha about it, what was going on, and they had to make a decision, are we going to go? Are we going to go and worship too? Does it not blow your mind to know that these people knew exactly what was supposed to be happening? And then they had to make a decision what they were going to do. They knew. More than anybody else, they knew. And then you have the shepherds. The shepherds are thinking, okay, they're telling us to go and to worship this baby who's laying in a feeding trough and to let them know that this is the king, this is the Messiah. Who's going to listen to us? Nobody listens to us anyway. We're just lowly shepherds. Are we going to put ourselves in a position where we are going to be ridiculed? Ridiculed to the point where we may be total outcast. You think they weren't going through conflict? You think it was easy to just say, hey, well, yeah, we're going to do this? Every one of these people faced a conflict. Every single one of them. And today, we face the very same conflict. Today, as I look around our world, this Jesus, it fly, he flies in the face of everything that this world wants us to have. It flies in the face of everything that this world believes, and the world does not want to accept it. There was a billboard not too long ago in one of our northern states, and we're going to put it up here. I want you to read that for just a second. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason, sponsored by the American Atheist. And that's just one example. You see, this world does not accept Jesus for being who God's Word says He is. And that right there may sound, well, that's sort of dumb. But you know what, folks? If you look at what's happening in our world today, that's exactly where we are. This right here is a myth to most. 
And that's the way that people are living their lives. Reason. You figure it out. We've got it figured out. All we need is our brain, right? That's all we need, you know, more education. We can figure it out. We don't need God. The problem is, if they're right and we live by God's word, what have we lost? But if we're right and they're wrong, what have they lost? So you can live like it's a myth. You can use reason. We can think all day long that what we're going through in our nation, in our world right now, that we're going to be able to reason and think our way out of it. But you're wrong. Now, here's what Jesus said. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Folks, we read that verse Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to give you the peace like the world gives. I'm afraid today what we're searching for is a worldly peace and not the peace that Jesus gives. The peace that Jesus gives comes from within and knowing that God's in control regardless of what the circumstances are. The peace that the world gives is all based on circumstances. The real Christmas story is this. Jesus has shown up. And you have to decide who he is. And once you realize who he is, then you have to decide what are you going to do with him. You see, that's the conflict. We have a challenge that we face just like these people do. And because of that challenge, then we're faced with a conflict. Every single time the challenge brings conflict. But I want to show you this. Based on the decisions that are made, that brings change. I want us to look at what change brought about, the change that happened in their lives. I want us to look at these same people. I want us to look at Joseph. Joseph ended up having to go a different direction. He ended up living somewhere where he wasn't supposed to. But you know what? Joseph got the opportunity to raise, physically raise the Son of God, the Messiah. Nobody else can say that. We know that Joseph was a carpenter, and we know that Jesus followed that. We find when Jesus was 12 years old, they took Jesus to the temple. So Joseph was a devout man, and the Bible brought that up in the very beginning. Joseph had the opportunity to be something that nobody else got the opportunity to be because he was willing to accept the fact that Jesus was real and face the conflict head on and allow God to do the changing in his life. And then we have Mary. Mary, being the mother of Jesus, she got to see it from beginning to end. She was there at the birth. She got to witness his first miracles. She was there with the ministry. She saw him as he grew. And she was there when they nailed him to a cross. But she was there. She was there with the empty tomb. She got to see Jesus rise again from the dead. See, that's the change that took place in her life. Now, we see Herod. It was a little bit different for Herod. Herod decided that he was going to put himself 
number one. He was going to put himself in charge of the throne. And as we read, if you'll go on in chapter 2 of Matthew, you'll find that Herod made a decision. Verses 15 and 16 tells us that Herod became so angry and so threatened when he realized the Magi did not come back and tell him where Jesus was, that he ordered all the baby boys in that area to be slaughtered, two years old and under, just in case he missed anybody. Herod was bound and determined that he was going to be number one. And his decision cost a lot of people their lives. Brought a lot of misery and pain. But it still brought change. And then we see the wise men. Verses 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 2, it tells us that when they worshipped, they went back a different way than when they came. Can you imagine the stories they were able to go back to their country and tell about this Messiah? The most awesome thing that we need to understand is it said they left and went a different way. When you come face to face with Jesus, when you allow him to come into your heart, you will never be the same. Never. We don't know what happened after, but I can only imagine what they went through. And Matthew made it a point to show that their worship was different and how it stood in contrast to the others. And then you have the religious leaders. It tells us in in chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, that they didn't go. They decided that this Jesus, even though they knew, was not going to be part of their life. In these same religious leaders, folks, if you go back and do your study, in these same religious leaders spent the next 30 plus years trying to get rid of this baby, trying to get rid of this Jesus. They worshiped the God of tradition instead of Jesus, the one living Messiah. And a lot like today, people get caught up in tradition. And it's just as dead as the floor we're sitting on. And if we're not careful, we end up just like them. But then we have the shepherds. If you look at Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and following, it tells us what happened. The, The angels appeared to them, and it says that after they appeared, they got together and said, hey, let's go right now. Let's go right now. Do you know the shepherds got to be the first ones to worship Jesus? The ones that nobody else counted? The ones that everybody else had given up on that no one else even wanted to be a part of? These are stinky guys. We don't want to be around them. These are the outcasts. They got to be the first to worship Jesus because they were willing to go. In fact, I want to read this to you. This is not going to be, this is not going to be up on the screen. Verses 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 2. When they had seen this, they made, and that's talking about visiting Jesus, they had made, no, made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that were told to them by the shepherds. These shepherds got to share the good news of Christ. They got to tell people, hey, we've seen him. We know who he is. He has changed our lives, and he'll change yours too. That was the message that the shepherds had. The least of all of these. See, the reality is 
Christmas has changed you and I too. Every one of us need to understand that Christmas has changed us. We look around the world and we see all of these people. We see different faces. Christmas has changed you. How is the key? How has Christmas changed you? Put that up there for me. I just want us to look at this for a second. I want you to see all these different faces. I want you to think about the people that you're around. Maybe you're one of those there. Christmas has changed you. How it has changed you is the key. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. The old things have passed away and new things have come. The Bible tells us that when we come face to face with Jesus, it'll change who we are. I remember reading not too long ago a story about an Iranian minister. Several years ago, him and his wife were taking a trip to a small village, and they stopped by just to get some water. And when they stopped at the store, the wife noticed this man standing next to the building, leaning up against the building with a machine gun in his hand. She turned to her husband, and she said, you need to go give him this Bible. She handed him a Bible. The husband looked up, saw the man standing there with a the shotgun. He said, yeah, right. She said, no, I'm serious. I want you to go give him a Bible. Well, being a typical husband, just like most of us, said, okay, he said, I'll pray about it. He went in the store, got the water. He came out, got in the car. And you husbands know exactly how this works. She looked at him and she said, didn't give him the Bible, did you? He said, no, I prayed about it. I just, I just didn't feel like I needed to. She said, you should have given him the Bible. And then she started praying. He drove off, got just a little ways down the road. She's still praying. Without her saying another word, the husband said, fine. If you want me to get killed, that's fine. He turns the car around. He goes back. He walks up to the man and says, here, my wife said you need this Bible. That big man began to cry. He opened it up. And he said, I have been waiting here for three days. He said, three days ago, an angel appeared to me and told me to go to the store and wait and that somebody would bring me the word of life. He said, finally, somebody cared enough to show me what I've been looking for. That minister, from that day forward, it changed his life. He was no longer the same. It changed his ministry. You know what happened? He ended up being martyred for his faith. But he was no longer ashamed of it. He was no longer scared. I tell you that story because the fact is that Jesus changed every one of these people's lives. Some for good, some for bad. But every one of us this morning has to come to grips with the challenge that Jesus is in front of you. You've got to face him. God sent Jesus. Who this Jesus is to you is up to you. But you still have to make a decision what you're going to do with him. What am I going to do with this Jesus? And the decision you make will change your life forever. You see, there's some of you sitting here, some of you who are watching this morning. You've never come face to face with Jesus until now. 
You've never thought about this Jesus was sent just for you, but now you know. There are some of you who've been playing Christmas. You've gone through the motions, and it's time to quit playing Christmas. There's some of you who've gotten away from it, and you need to come back to the real Christmas story. You see, the problem is that we don't read to the end of the story. We leave the baby in the manger, and we forget that there's an empty tomb. That's what he came for. The real Christmas story is we face the challenge of who Jesus is. Because of that, we're going to experience conflict based on what we decide. And the change that comes from that conflict will be up to us. I want to ask you this morning, in your life, what is the real Christmas story? If somebody based Christmas and their understanding of it on your life, what would their impression be? See, that's what we all have to deal with. The real Christmas story is what we're going to do with Jesus. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.